When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to cover, um, some stories uh, regarding basketball and, of course, the basketball program um, in regards to the J. Poe, Alondo Tucker story. We'll talk a little bit about that. In the back half of the show, we'll do some strengths and weaknesses for the football team heading into this season. Uh, practice and media day is this upcoming Thursday and Friday, so we are really getting close here to the football starting back up. Uh, it's crazy to think it's already August, but and, we're, and before you know it, we'll all be sitting in Camp Randall on September 4th watching the Badgers once again. I know all of us cannot wait for that day, so it's starting to be where we can really start talking about this upcoming football season, which is a lot of fun. So we'll get into the strengths, the weaknesses, what we think as we head into fall camp. Matt, how are you today? Doing fantastic. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm I'm excited that we are talking about legit football that is going to be here before we know it. I know we've we've made it through the long parts of summer. I know June and July can sometimes be tough for a college athletic podcast, but I think we've done a good job. And now it gets to we can finally start talking about some tangible football, and I can't, couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been. Great. The summer months, um, we kept going along with our two episodes a week, um, trying to, to give all of you something to listen to through those downtimes. But now we're going to keep it going two times a week heading into the season. And that's when it, the real fun happens and, and fall camp and, and really where things start to be figured out in anticipation of the season. Yeah, and it'll certainly be back to normal with uh, our our schedule and uh, hopefully no cancellations due to COVID, everything like that. So it's like every, all positives that we're getting back to a normal football season and we'll have fans in the stands. We'll have the podcast coming out to cover a uh, nice Wisconsin football game. But before we get into the strengths and weaknesses, talk about that type of stuff, let's get into that little bit of news that we've got. Not a ton today, but a few basketball stories kind of dominate the news circuit. Um, first one, Micah Potter signed a summer league contract with the Heat. Demetrius Trice with the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. Important to note that. Um, so he's going to join their summer league team. Awesome opportunities for both of them. I am really excited. I know Micah Potter um, happened a little bit ago. I'm really excited to hear that Demetrius Trice landed with someone. Um, he's just been too great of a collegiate player to not at least get a good shot. And it always helps that it's the, the hometown Milwaukee Bucks that way. So what do you make of those two? Obviously both very deserving um, and excited to see what they can do. But what do you make of, of them getting that opportunity? Yeah, I think if you look at the roster last year, those are the two players that had the had the potential as guys who are going to be exiting to, to possibly have a tryout or really have a chance to play in the league. No, nothing against Nate Reavers and Aline Ford. They just 
don't necessarily have games that translate straightly to the NBA quite as well. Uh, Trice, he if if he can continue to shoot well, he, he's a great ball hander, great leader. I think he's going to have a chance to to kind of you know pop around a little bit, um, whether it be in in the league, whether it be in the G League, whether it be the D League, or you know overseas eventually. But I, I love that he's having a chance with the Bucks. When you look at um, you know Bucks need shooting, that's always a thing um, when you've got a superstar forward who you know isn't a three-point shooter so if Trice can can show an ability to shoot I think that's going to go a long way in in securing his chance because you can't change your height right like it's not like he's all of a sudden going to be 6'4 overnight Uh, and then Micah Potter I I think you look at his game it probably translates best out of anybody on the um, roster last year who was a senior um, to the league just because of his pick and pop ability Defense, he's got to continue to work on moving his feet, which is, you know, you're going to be going against even better athletes at the NBA level. But I, I love the opportunity for him, and hopefully he he finds a way to end up on a roster in some way, shape, or form around the NBA because he is a really talented player that I think um, I think he has more left in the tank to continue to improve. And, and uh, I think his game does fit the NBA nicely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think he's got that that size and the ability to, if he can knock down shots consistently, um, to be what the NBA looks for. Those stretch bigs that can step out and, and knock down shots are so important in that league. Pick and pop is is becoming even more prevalent. It seems like in the league with um, with smaller guards and, and and bigs that can shoot that way. So I, I certainly think Micah Potter, if the defensive end does pick up, I think that's the one question mark you've got because, like you mentioned. Um, he's not going to be going against, you know, I mean, there's some good guards in the Big Ten, and there's some good players in the Big Ten, uh, but the, <laughs> the NBA is a whole new level. Um, some of these guys that are really good Big Ten players will be guys that maybe not sniff the court too much in the NBA. So it's something that's going to be the big thing. And, and then for Demetrius Trice, certainly an awesome opportunity for him. Like you mentioned, I think for both of them, there, it really comes down to, you know, Potter defensively, but I think it comes down to both of them um, being able to, to knock down shots. In the league, if, if you can't knock down shots, you're probably not going to make it too long. You've seen, you know, even superstars that have struggled to, to knock down shots consistently really start to get, um, you know, knocked downgraded and not, and tore apart, uh, you know, all in a lot of different ways. So I, I'm excited to see what both of them do. Well, you know, with the NBA Summer League is always pretty entertaining because you get to watch some of these guys that, you know, maybe didn't make the, the lottery and the draft and are the huge names of college basketball, but some of these guys will certainly go on to a, a strong Summer League season and then, probably go on to strong NBA careers. So it's always an exciting time to be able to watch both of those and excited to watch some former Badgers get that opportunity. Absolutely. All right. Next in the um, news story, we'll talk about Bill Conley before we get into the, the J. Poe, Alondo Tucker stuff, because that is a, a pretty big story that's probably going to take a little bit more time. But Bill Conley called Wisconsin the fourth most stable football program in the country. I don't. I think when you look at it, at the surface level, maybe you think that's a little high, but also at the same time, when you really dive into it, I think that's probably a fair assessment in a lot of ways. Wisconsin's just been a premier program for, for over a decade plus and, and really done a good job uh, both on and off the field of, of staying consistent. Of course, when you think about um, the programs of Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, with those three being up there, four is, is certainly a good conversation that way. So what did you make of that story? Because I think that's a really interesting conversation um, that I'm sure plenty of college football fans got fired up for uh, in regards to their respective teams. 
Yeah, I mean, you you look at kind of the way that Bill Connolly does. He's he's known for his analytics. What he how he kind of um, pieces things together. He he really looked at coaching stability, roster stability, and then the stability of your performance year over year. And when you think about Wisconsin, that makes a ton of sense that they would be in that top that top four. You've got Wyoming number one, Clemson two, Oklahoma State three. Although I think Oklahoma State would probably drop like a like a weight right now when you consider the fact that uh, the Big 12 does is kind of in flux. But um, Wisconsin, I, I think you really look at it. You've still got Paul Christ. You've got both your coordinators, although they they made a, a shift by t- having Paul Christ take over that offensive coordinator role. Um, you're, you're looking at performance year over year, and you go back to 2009, and this team has only had four years where they haven't won at least 10 games. And when you when you look at those, one of them was a Rose Bowl that they went to, or I guess two of them. No, one was a Rose Bowl that they went to, um, and then and then last year you look at it, they they had like a really short season and only seven games, four and three. So I, I think it makes a ton of sense when you look at the way in which he comprised this. And Wisconsin just kind of they are who they are every year. They they f- find a way to be in that ten win conversation and to to continually be one of the top teams in the Big Ten and across the country. So I think when you look at how he, he did it, it makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm always a big fan of, of Bill Connolly's, um, you know, analytics. Everything he puts out is always um, really entertaining and I think usually pretty um, accurate to, to what he, he's kind of going for and, and he backs it up really well with numbers that way. So I think it just speaks to the, the stability of this program, obviously, that they've they've been strong for, for quite a long time, and that matters and that plays out really well. I mean, you look at the last few years, things have went, I mean, outside of, of 2018, an 8-5 and five year, and, of course, that uh, um, 2020 results with uh, the, the COVID year, it's hard to really read for much for, for all programs in that regard. There's been a lot of consistent seasons, um, both a, lo- a good while ago now and short term, so... I think it's it's fun to see Wisconsin be in this conversation, and certainly you know be winning double digit games is is nothing to scoff at. But I think now when you look at Wisconsin, the next step is certainly the the thing that I think a lot of fans are looking for: winning that Big Ten game, you know, Big Ten title game, getting over that hump, um, getting into some of these bigger games is certainly um, something I think a lot of people have an eye on because ten win seasons are great, but I think everyone's starting to get a little appetite for a little bit more, but maybe we'll we'll get into that a little bit more um, in our second segment of Football Stuff with Strengths and Weaknesses. But um, before we do that, why don't we hop into this um, Wisconsin basketball story that came out uh, a little bit earlier this afternoon when we were recording this Monday afternoon. Um, Jeff Patrikas put out a story um, regarding Alondo Tucker and the Wisconsin basketball program. Of course, going back to the recording, a lot of us thought, and, and kind of hinted that it was likely Alondo Tucker with him not being on the UW staff any longer. It seemed like there were some things out there that were lingering about this, and essentially it came out that Alondo Tucker almost attempted a coup in a way to overthrow um, Greg Gard and, and take over as the head coach of Wisconsin basketball. It's really a fascinating story if you go and read it. Um, I know that it's a subscription wall, but it's worth uh, the money. I ended up signing up and taking a read of it because it is just it's fascinating. Um, to look at what all went on there from from him uh, essentially possibly mis- manipulating players, according to sources, and um, trying to eventually take over. And it's really a, an odd story when you think about it as well because he was a guy that really had very little 
coaching experience before jumping. Obviously, no, no coaching experience before jumping into his assistant spot at Wisconsin. Likely could have been a guy that stayed on as assistant at Wisconsin and possibly got a job down the road. But um, for this all to come out and, and finally kind of get the details of what happened there is extremely head scratching and, and an odd situation, but makes a ton of sense when you look at what we were talking about a couple months ago. Yeah, and I think it hints to why we saw that precipitous drop from the basketball team and the program last year. They came in with so much hope, and and then it it fell apart rather quickly, um, especially after coming off of their their season in 2019. So you really look at this, and and I just think that, um, like you said, it's kind of a head-scratcher and that it's pretty misguided and, and like, I don't know what Alondo Tucker was thinking to, to make mm-hmm. that type of decision. You know, we have had him on the podcast. He's um, he's a guy that was, you know, beloved by most fans. I mean, I hell, I have an Alondo Tucker jersey from when I was a kid, right? Like, he was a big deal and, you know, one of the better players. And there's you now wonder, will he ever have his name up in the rafters of the Cole Center after this, even though he, you know, statistically was one of the best badges of all time. It's pretty, you know, pretty poor judgment on his part. You look at kind of everything. There was a lot of, unstand, um, you know, rumors out there. You know, they were unconfirmed. But, but you know, we both kind of hinted at some of the stuff that we had heard. Um, and, and really, you just look at it, and it's it's all out there now for the most part that um, this has been going on for a little bit. He tried to – tried to go ahead and, and take over for Greg Gard and tried to get things set up to to take over. And and I, I just really – it sounds more and more like the the Greg Gard, Barry Elvis, knew about this um, early on and, you know, gave him a second chance this past year and it got worse. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of on everybody and there's a lot to unpack in that article because there's a lot. But, but really I think the biggest thing is – just um, I don't know how or why Alondo Tucker thought that that was a good idea, but obviously it did not work for him, and, and the coup was shot down rather quickly um, by um, those involved. Yeah, that's the, the – I mean, we were joking about it in our Slack chat that he was watching uh, too much uh, Game of Thrones, and, and what was the show that you put – Succession? Is that the one you put in there? Oh, uh, Succession, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really – it's it's a head-scratcher, but if, you come, if you're coming at the king, you, you don't want to miss, and it seems like it was a little bit of a miss. I, I, I just don't – like you said, it's hard to understand – and, of course, we don't we don't know all the details and everything like that, but it is hard to stand how you could um, make an attempt at this when really you looked at it. You were a beloved player and, and certainly was part of the coaching staff. And if he would have went about his business and you know, gained more valuable experience as an assistant coach, um, it's very well possible he could have went on to a coaching you know, spot down the road. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at it, um, but these details coming out, I can't imagine that there's going to be even other college basketball programs that are going to bring you on and look for you because that trust of a locker room is so important. And I'm sure the, the players feel betrayed. It's, I'm sure the, the other coaches and the staff, it sounds like there was times where he was telling uh, you know other um, you know players not to listen to other assistant coaches, things like that. That makes it for a very unstable locker room. So like you mentioned at the top, it, it makes a ton of sense why this team struggled. It, it, there's clear that there was a lot going on there, um, maybe more than we even know about, but uh, it's nice to at least know some of these details coming out and figure out 
you know, it's not the only source for the struggles, but it, it certainly plays a main part of it. I mean, you have trouble trusting the guys that are supposed to be in your corner as assistant coaches and head coaches. And I'm sure there's still, it doesn't excuse the frustrations of Greg Gard, but as a player, add in that you're going through COVID through all this time, you're isolated, all these things going on. That's a lot to put on a basketball team. And, and like I said, it's no excuse for – there was certainly poor play, You can, but you can attribute part of that to some of these situations. So really just a weird story, uh, head-scratching story. It's hard to understand from Alonzo Tucker's perspective, but um, it's, it's at least good to have some of these details finally flushed out. Yeah, and I think it supports, you know, some of the the off-the-court and locker room issues that they've had the past two years, right, like that's, mm-hmm. that have been going on. You, It kind of supports why you saw some guys, even a guy like Trevor Anderson saying, yeah, thanks but no thanks, I'm coming back and instead going to somewhere else where he can play more. Um, more about, like, why some of the – some different players were considering transferring because there, there's a lot that was happening here um, within the UW program. And, and this is all coming off the heels of, you know, a huge tragedy with Howard Moore and his family. So it's just, I, I just, I genuinely don't get what, like, I understand what Alondo Tucker was trying to accomplish. Um, and that's, um, you know, anybody who has talked to Alondo Tucker, you know that he is a very confident individual and that he, you know, is, is someone who generally is quite smart and makes and um, you know knows his basketball, but this was this was a decision that he made that I just it's it's hard to comprehend you know the rationality of his thought process because you're you're trying to take over uh, one of the bigger programs in in college sports and and having no no previous experience. Um, and, you know, really I think he's shot any opportunity going forward as a coach completely down. Um, I think it's pretty telling that after all of things, after the tape was released and everything, he was on vacation <laughs> and, and not anywhere <laughs> around. Um, I think it's pretty telling that he is no longer going to be living in Madison. Like, uh, I think this there's a lot of splintering that is going to continue to come from this as time goes on. Hopefully, the team can rebound and have a solid year, but it's it's going to be an uphill battle when you consider the youth that this team has, as well as kind of some of the fractured relationships that have occurred in the past two seasons because of um, some of the you know undermining that uh, Tucker you know clearly has been doing. Yeah, just uh, a really a, a weird, crazy story, and um, you know, to shoot to try and shoot for a job that big and uh, with with little experience is, is a lot of confidence for sure. But um, yeah, hopefully this team can can bounce back and rally. We'll see how some of these young guns do with with maybe some of that, you know, in the locker room and, and off the court stuff cleaned up. All right, guys, why don't we go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into some football talk. We'll t- discuss some strengths and weaknesses heading into the 2021 season. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. We'll get into some football talk now. We've got some strengths and weaknesses. But I think it'll be a fun conversation because I think a lot of these are going to be important and, and really um, 
keys to to how successful this football team is in this season and, and going forward. Um, we'll start with the strengths and and we'll just dive into. We ended up just coming up with a list rather than do a traditional draft that we've done for other episodes because I think a lot of the strengths and weaknesses we would have had the same overlapping ones. So we'll go ahead and and start with I think the one of the big strengths for this football team coming into the season is experience. Um, at really at every level on both sides of the football. I think when you look at teams across the country. You're not necessarily super worried about Wisconsin, you know, throwing a guy into into the fire too early, um, which I think is important. There's been years past where you you've wondered, but generally with Wisconsin, you've had some time to, to see some guys get groomed and eventually step up into a, a bigger role. But I think you look around here, every player that that you're going to see significant time from, at least in the starters' role, has had some time in the past. So I think that's really important when you look at. Other teams across the country, you don't have that same luxury. And, of course, that ebbs and flows every year. But it's really important after a weird year and, and working some of these guys in there that now you can come in and take advantage of that this upcoming year. So what do you make of, of that strength and, and this Badger team overall, their just overall experience that they've got from really all 11 starters on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of their roster is coming back. And I know that – there's a lot of teams across the country that can, can say something similar. Um, but, but I do think that the ability to return um, a lot of experience is going to help this team um, kind of rebound to what they, they should be. And, and back to, you know, I was talking about how they've only had four years in, in, since um, 2009 that they didn't get to that 10-win threshold. And I think getting back to a more normalized result of, of having one of the better teams in the Big Ten it should be expected by fans and and, and the team. Um, I know you've seen Dean Ingram even already put out there, this team is going to be special. And really, that's something that this team, hopefully, using that, leveraging that experience can get to. Because when you look at it, so many starters back. You, you've got your entire wide receiving core pretty much back. You've got your starting quarterback, which continuity at the quarterback position is so important. And I know that Graham Mertz needs to take a nice jump. But it's still continuity, and that's something that can can really be beneficial for a roster to in an offense to just know, hey, that's the guy. He's going to be calling the shots. We can do this. We've got all of their offensive line um, is 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 you know predominantly made up of guys with a lot of experience. You look at that mostly juniors and seniors outside of a, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman who's a stud, um, and um, you know maybe the most talented. Uh, of the bunch. Um, and then on defense, you look at the secondary, they've got their two starting corners, two starting safeties, or, or both seen, or all seniors, I should say. Middle linebackers are strength. So I, I think these are the type of things that can definitely help you out when it comes to those big moments. And, and when you need guys to make a play, you've got players who have experience of, of doing that and, and being able to help pick up some of the younger guys. And, and hopefully they can use the experience of last year that wasn't what they were hoping for to help them out as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you can only take experience for, for, for so much, but at the same time, I think it's really important. You look at, um, we'll, we'll mention Phil Steele a couple times here with his magazine. He has Wisconsin ranked as the 60th most experienced team in the country, but the the bottom two, Ohio State 129, Northwestern 130, those are the two teams in the Big Ten title game last year. So all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, these can, when you have these, when you have players back, when you have some depth, when you have some experience, that really pays dividends. And then you can see it where, you know, some teams will, of course, reload with talent and the recruiting circuit. 
uh, but some teams will will fall a little bit. So it's certainly something to, at least going into the season, you have to feel really good about. There's no doubt level of play, making plays, executing, you know, X's and O's is all certainly important. But at this point in time, you want to have a team that's much more experienced than not experienced. I think Wisconsin's in a really good spot for that, to, to make that jump. And we'll, we'll certainly need com- contributions from some other guys, but right now you feel good about what you're going to get from a lot of these different guys. Yeah, 100%. You want to take and, and go ahead with our second strength? Yeah, so another one that, that um, continues to pop up a little bit here, and, and it goes back to that conversation as to why Wisconsin – was partly ranked so high in Bill Connolly's um, stable programs list is stability in the coaching staff and the scheme. Um, and it, it's, it's a major thing to have an established head coach that's been around. Um, he, he's been around here for, for many years. And, and Paul Chris, you know what you're getting with him. The team knows what they're getting with him. Um, I love that he's taking back the, the reins on offense. But, but really, Wisconsin now continues to have Jim Leonard on defense. And I know that there was shuffling uh, among the ranks of some of the um, different assistants, but really to have your your head coach, essentially your OC, who, you know, Paul Christ has, has been the guy who, who's been behind the scenes m- most of the time, and then Jim Leonard, I think you have to feel really good about your, your scheme and, and who you have and getting things, to, you know, kind of back to a, a normal groove given that um, coaching staff. Yeah, I think that part is is so crucial and important. Again, you know, there's a lot of other teams that can go out and say, you know, you've got you know, your head coach back, you've got your offensive coordinator, you've got your defensive quarterback. That's great. Um, and, and there's certainly other schools out there that are. I think it's you're better off being in that spot than breaking in a new coach, especially after this past year. You know, some of these coaches are almost a year behind due to COVID and, and trying to get their system in in just a weird year. So to to have that to be able to lean on in in Jim Leonard, Paul Chris, uh, Joe Rudolph being part of the offensive play calling and, and um, offensive line as well is super important because turnover in coaching staffs uh, in college athletics can really cause a ripple effect if you don't make sure that transition is good and to not have to go through any of those transitions at all, even if it's just a coordinator. You know, Wisconsin th- got lucky um, in those years, going from Dave Aranda to Justin Wilcox to Jim Leonard, and thankfully they didn't miss a beat. But there were certainly times where um, other programs did not get that lucky. You go through a couple coordinators um, on either side of the ball, that can really change um, the dynamics of your offense or defense. So stability is a, a really important thing, and I think Wisconsin's up there, You know, like we talked about at the top, uh, as as a very stable program, and, and I think that'll pay dividends for them this year when you add in the previous strength we already talked about in some uh, in the player experience as well as the coaching stability. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to remember that it's we're not that far removed from hey the transition between Brett Bielema, Gary Anderson, Paul Chris, mm-hmm. right, like that you know tumultuous about four year stretch there in which things were just kind of moving all over the place. Things seem to be back to um, a more normalized spot, and I think that really this season you should see the Badgers bounce back to be in a, uh, a better place on um, both the offense and defense side of the ball. All right, we'll hop into our next strength here. So this one we kind of decided to do almost a personnel type one, and, and really when you look at this team, there's a lot of positions you feel good about, but I think the main strength of this team is when you look almost, I call it the defensive middle, right up the middle with Keanu Benton, Jack Sanborn, 
Sean, you can almost expand that. I mean, the safeties are pretty solid with, with Kylan Wilder and Scott Nelson behind them. But I think those front three, when you talk about a Big Ten defense, it's so important to have a quality nose tackle and quality linebackers. And when you're looking at right now Wisconsin, um, we'll talk about a little bit outside linebackers in the pass rush has kind of struggled. It's going to be really important and huge to have two inside linebackers. So, I mean, you look at across the country, I'd probably stack that three up with the nose tackle and, and Sanborn and Chennault up against a good chunk of, of the other 129 teams in college football. Of course, you've got teams like Alabama and Clemson who are, are low to talent top to bottom, but I think Wisconsin's right up there with the, with the three at those positions, and that's really crucial because a couple of years ago, Keanu Benton came in as a, as a somewhat lowly recruited, recruited kid, and you didn't know what you're going to get from him to him all of a sudden being uh, a, just a pure athletic freak and stud at that nose tackle position is huge. So, you talk about strengths, I think you have to start with, if you're looking at this team across the board, you've got to start with, with that strength right up the middle. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that that's a really, really great combination that they have in the middle that should help the defense so much. It'll force teams to flow flow their running attack um, to the outside, their passing attack potentially to the outside. So I think those that's an amazing thing. It's also just crucial to have a leader like a guy like Jack Sanborn in the middle who's played now, multi-year starter, been in the program for, for, for three years, going into his fourth year, and who can bark out your calls, all-American caliber talent. And, and so then you, you put that together with, hey, the guy next to him is an up-and-comer that I think is going to have a really great year um, and, and can fly around and is, is just jacked. And then you've got Benton, who's um, uber-talented as well, in front of him. So I think, yeah, those that three-headed monster in the middle is definitely going to help this team. And, and I would say that if you're looking at a portion of this team that is the best, it's that combination in the middle of that defense and and that's a great starting point for any defense and it's and it's also nice when you have a, a pair of cornerbacks who are very experienced on the outside as well yeah I'm so excited to see what this uh, Wisconsin defense can do uh, overall all right you want to go ahead and take the lead on our fourth uh, strength yeah so we also wanted to throw in one off the field um, type strength or weakness and for off the field you really look at strength of schedule um, I, I think you, there's been times, right? Like I think back to when Wisconsin went 13 and one in 2017, won the Orange Bowl, really amazing year. Um, and a lot of people kind of clowned on Wisconsin because of a, a weak schedule. This year, 26 according to in, in strength of schedule, according to Phil Steele, um, which which is you know very good, and it gives you some some room for leeway that if you do drop a game or two, that you're okay, you're you're going to be able to to bounce back. Um, and really look at it, the majority of their games, their big games, are at home. Outside of that Notre Dame game where you're at a neutral site, you've got Penn State at home, you've got Michigan at home, you've got Iowa at home, you've got Northwestern at home. You can lump in Nebraska if you want, but I'm just saying that's pretty damn good when you consider, hey, your away games are Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, and Minnesota. Um, the Minnesota game is going to be tough, but those other games, those are games you you need to win when you're on the road. And so I think Wisconsin has a very favorable schedule. It's not easy, right? Like there's a reason it's 26 because you are um, still getting some some really talented teams, including Notre Dame, which is an outlier from your normal schedule. But but still, this is this is it gives you some room that hey, if you drop a game that you shouldn't have, you still can be in the thick of things to potentially make the playoff potentially make a Big Ten championship, et cetera. 
Yeah, I, I think the strength and the strength of, of schedule is really important because, like you mentioned, that 2017 team did did get ripped on a little bit just because of that. And this year, you know, it's it's obviously a tougher schedule. You know, there's a, like you mentioned, there's a reason that you rank 26th. But I think you look at that. It's also an opportunity where this team can really take advantage and pick up some big wins. I mean, you start with um, probably the like, you know, likely the number two team um, in, in the Big Ten East in Penn State. You you get um, a pretty manageable game in Eastern Michigan, but still a very stable program out of the MAC. And then the, yeah, you get into that gauntlet of of Notre Dame, Michigan, Army, um, Illinois, Purdue. You feel good about each of those with um, with of course Michigan being at home. That Notre Dame game, like you mentioned, an outlier, but certainly Notre Dame last year compared to Notre Dame this year, they, they lost a lot of, of players that way. They lost a lot of personnel. Of course, they're, you know, caliber quarterback in Ian Book, who was, um, you know, you know you're going to have Jack Cohn stepping into that situation. So I think overall you feel really good about the opportunity that you're going to have. You know, I think when you look at it, Wisconsin's probably, I would say they'll probably be favored in, likely all 12 of their games. You know, of course, it can depends how things shake out, but looking at it right now, it would be surprising to me if you're looking at future, you know, uh, betting lines that way going ahead that Wisconsin wouldn't be a favorite in all 12. So that doesn't mean you're going to run the table and go undefeated, but it certainly means you're in a good spot um, to take advantage and make, make something of that uh, strength and opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule and they should be favored in all of them. The Notre Dame games, I think, is a toss-up just in terms of Vegas when it gets there. But I do think that they will be favored at least going into all the other games, assuming that the wheels don't, you know, fall off the bus here as we as they get going. All right, with that, we of course have to talk some weaknesses, and I think the the first one is is a pretty obvious one in special teams. Um, that's a, That's been a concern for Wisconsin for a while. Yeah, mentioning Phil Steele again, go back to 2018. They were ranked 129th out of 130 teams in that season. So special teams has really been something that's um, bit the Badgers a little bit um, for the last few years. I know Paul Chris has put a little bit of an emphasis on getting that better, and it certainly improved um, in 2019. They were up to 43, but 2020-69, and I would say, I mean, those both of those years, it seems like it was a lot worse than what those numbers indicate last year. They really didn't get much in terms of uh, of any sort of return game. That way they had a little bit from Devin Chandler, who came onto the scene late. The kicking walls were there. I think the, once, the one positive was Andy Vucevic uh, as the punter. But really overall, I think you could get a lot more, and you're going to need a lot more from the special teams if you want to have the season that I think this Wisconsin team is certainly hoping for. Yeah, I think Andy Vujinovic, um demonstrating an ability to catch a punt and punt the ball was, <laughs> was huge for this team in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think that he is a, is a player that's going to have a really nice season this this year. He 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 is um, a very talented punter, puts together some really good numbers when you compare it to what we have seen these most recent seasons with the Badgers. Really ha- has done stuff that we haven't seen since like Brad Nortman in terms of numbers. Um, but but it still comes down to the return game and then place kicking and and that's really where where things are. I, I think Badger fans should be hoping that Jack Van Dyke really steps up and can take over that kicking role, the place kicking duties. He's got a boot. We saw what he could do last year um, as a kickoff specialist, but but all spring he was battling against Colin Larsh and, and Colin Larsh has has hit some nice kicks and um, is is fairly fairly accurate within, you know, very close range. But but I think Wisconsin needs a little bit more, and I think that if Jack Van Dyke can show 
any sort of consistency, I think it's going to be his job because we've seen too many misses from that field goal unit. Um, and, and really, Colin Welsh is fairly limited in terms of leg strength. So I think that that is something that that um, if, if you don't see Jack Van Dyke um, take over that role, I think that, that it's in, in the, that special teams weakness is, is even more glaring. Um, potentially, which is which is kind of scary, um, and and then we'll see if Dean Ingram or Jack Dunn is back there at punt. I think that's a big question here um, for me because Jack Dunn didn't do it last year because he was called upon to do so much more on the offense. But does he go back there uh, this past this next year with Dean Ingram probably taking out a bigger role on the defense? Jack Dunn probably you know taking out less of a role on offense. I think there's a lot of things that need to happen. I'm a big proponent in the biggest games that the Badgers should be putting their best players on special teams. If you want to, if you want to take down a team like Ohio State, or you know, in those massive games, you need to have your best out there. So um, we'll see um, if the Badgers can can improve upon that definite weakness. Yeah, it's certainly um, weak. The weakness that you are, are a little bit worried about going into the season, and, and certainly needs to be a lot better. Um, you want to go ahead and take the next one because I think that's another one that is going to be a – if you're talking about weakness and focal point for this team moving forward, this one might be uh, the biggest in terms of you know success for this uh, Wisconsin defense. Yeah, definitely on the defensive end, one of the weaknesses last year. And, and really it's a weakness, but when you look at the defense, what they did in the hole, it, they did fine, right? Like this, mm-hmm. this defense was still one of the top ten defenses in the country. But they didn't generate the pass rush that I think – fans had become accustomed to, this team had become accustomed to, and and that's definitely something that the players have brought up. Last year ranked number 100 across the NCAA in quarterback sacks, 93rd in tackles for a loss. For a team that blitzes a lot, comes up with exotic different schemes to get after the quarterback, they didn't get home quite enough last season, and I, I think that that's going to be something that they will improve upon. But it's definitely a weakness at this point going in. We need to see it in action first. Yeah, that's I think going to be the thing that if you're really looking for something to watch for, um, whether it be you know reading articles, if you could hear about some guys that are really looking good in the pass rush, I think it would be really important for this team. I, I'm glad that you mentioned this was a really solid defense last year. There's no doubt about that. But what this defense could have been if they had, you know, even – Closer to the numbers that they've had a couple of years ago. I mean, obviously there was there were some guys that were missing these last couple of years. That you know, you talk about Zach Bond and, and Chris Orr. It's been a couple of years now, but they were the last team that they really really got after the quarterback. Well, if they can get back or even close to to some of those numbers with some of these guys, I think this defense would really take on an even bigger presence. And that's that's saying a lot for a team that like you mentioned was the top ten defense and really good last year. But they can get to that next level. And we're talking about wanting to. To win these big games, win Big Ten championships, get get into um, you know premier bowls like that. This pass rush, if they can do that, I think it separates this defense and puts them into an even higher tier, which again is saying a lot for a unit that was really really strong a year ago. Yeah, you you really you look at the difference between that 2019 team and what we saw last year, um, and and it was the pass rush, right? Like that was that was a definitive thing that you could point to and you could be like. Well, the sack numbers were not there, um, and and so I think that they'll definitely shift that. I don't have too many worries about the defense overall, but I do have some worries about the offense, and I know that that's another weakness. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'll hop right into that. I know we've talked about this uh, a little bit 
you know, this offseason, and of course part of this was mitigated with the addition of Ches Malusi at the running back position, but really the depth at the skill positions is something that is, is a little bit of a weakness, a little bit of a concern going into this year. When you look at last year, of course, um, guys got banged up. Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis banged up a lot, and you hope that you'll have them this year, but these are guys that have had injury bugs pop up in the past, and all of a sudden if they do um, you know, get injured this year. I don't know. I think you feel good about you know guys like Chimray DK, Devin Chandler being a third, fourth wide receiver that way. But I don't necessarily you, you don't want those two to be hopping into um, that top two role. You know, or this you know this season. I think next year with those guys gone, you'd feel good about their development of another year. You'd feel okay about that. But last year, a lot of it was run through. You know, Jack Dunn was the primary guy, like you mentioned. They were running through offensively. If Wisconsin wants to have success this year, that can't happen. I think Jack Dunn's a player that gives them a lot, does a lot for them, but he can't be the number one guy offensively that way. So I think the concern is there is if those injury bugs pop up in the wide receiver room, all of a sudden that creates some problems. And same thing at the running back room. I think there you're maybe a little bit better off. You've got Jalen Berger, and you hope that he's going to be able to take on you know a much bigger load than what he had last year. Chesma Lucy really helps that a lot. And then you've got some other guys. You know, you talk, we've talked about Garendo, Julius Davis multiple times, guys that you like, that you've seen a little bit from, you've heard about their recruitment, but you haven't seen a ton from them on the field. So I think both of those two can be, maybe grow into, I wouldn't, maybe they could grow into not being a weakness, but I think right now it's certainly a concern at both of those two spots. Yeah, and I, I think the way I look at this, and the reason that I agree with you that this is definitely a weakness right now is is just running back and wide receiver play is who's the guy right like who are the two, who is the guy on the outside at wide receiver who's the guy at running back that you point to and be like that's the difference maker that's the guy that is going to absolutely take over a game and they don't necessarily have that right like you look at 2019 you had Jonathan Taylor you had Quintez Cephas you felt really good about that right like those were two studs that you could you could lean on when you needed it Danny Davis has shown that I remember I remember Jack Cohn throwing him touchdowns against Purdue and and doing that but I also remember Jonathan Taylor running you know crazy against Purdue in that game but I I think that there's talent right like I'm not saying I don't think there's talent on this this roster at those positions it's just you haven't seen it yet and you haven't seen it develop to a point where it's like wow, that is a guy that other teams fear when he walks out on the field. And I don't see that right now on the running back and wide receivers. Um, we'll see. They're, they're, there's a whole year of development. I think if you look at it, Berger and Shimre DK are probably the guys that give you the most hope for that just because of they were younger guys last year who were thrown into the fire. Um, now full, full offseason to get ready. I think Danny Davis has shown at times that he can be – a really, really good wide receiver, but he's also at times just kind of gone into a shell and you don't see him on the field, right? Like you, you can't point to where he is and be like, oh, wow, look at him. He's he's making all these incredible plays. So I think that that's what I look at is they need players from those two skill spots on offense to step up because Graham Mertz, we'll see what he can do on the offense. But right now, I if you look at it, you can really only look at Jake Ferguson as somebody that other teams are, are, are thinking, wow, that's a that's a difference maker. Um, and so I think that you need to see some development on those those uh, skill positions to, to really take this offense to the next level. 
Absolutely. All right. For our last one, we mentioned with the deep or the strengths, we did one uh, off the field. Do you want to hop in and, and take that last uh, weakness for this team? Yeah, and this is one that I, that I kind of put on the list. Um, it's in, and this is this is something to where there are guys on this roster who have done this, but I think there's a lack of proof of concept to win the big games for for most of these guys, and I think. Any any Wisconsin fan um, who's who's really been around um, and, and has paid attention, they'll remember back to those those Rose Bowl teams in in '99, 2000. Those were those were teams that just had that killer instinct. And when big plays needed to be made, Wendell Bryant went out there and got a, a damn sack, right? Like and just shut things down. You haven't necessarily always seen that um, in these past years when you're in that big game. And it's a, that's a reason why you've, you've seen them lose four straight Rose Bowls, right? Like, those are the, that's the big games. When you think about it, Wisconsin's beaten Michigan and Iowa and, and won some huge games, right, like that have come down to the wire, won, won an Orange Bowl, and have played some, some top teams and, and fought hard. But it's, it's getting over that hump and believing that you can get over that hump, right? Like, there's only so many times you can get in that Big Ten championship game and then it's a letdown. There's only so many times that you can go into that Rose Bowl game and, and get beaten. This team, at this point, the majority of the guys on this roster were not around for that 2017-13-1 uh, and one team. When I counted it, I, I counted like 20 guys. And of those 20 guys, only Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor actually had a major role on that team. Everybody else was a freshman, pretty much travel only at the game. Maybe got in late because Wisconsin was was um, doing some nice things against the Orange that year, that uh, game. But at, at the same time, I think that there's there's definitely needs to be um, just a, that killer instinct from this team and a belief that they're going to go in there and they're going to win because they haven't had that. And and I. I I think that they can get to that point. This team is talented. They have some question marks, right? Like we, we talked about some of those weaknesses that need to be remedied. But at the same time, um, I'm hoping that, that that proof of concept comes back because they need to start winning those big games. And it's, you can't win them every time, right? Like you're not going to win every single time you go up against an Ohio State, every time you go up against um, a team in a Rose Bowl. But eventually they got to get that monkey off their back and win the big one. Um, because I think once that happens, that's really going to rejuvenate this team and this program to, to possibly, you know, shoot at a different clip. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's something that uh, can certainly help this team Im- improve that psyche a little bit and getting over that hump is certainly going to be important. Like you mentioned, that some of these, a lot of these guys haven't been part of those those huge wins or been you know close to those. They've, they've won a, a good amount of games, but. Those big ones that everyone circles that you're you're really you know, you talked about at the top and you're kind of wanting to get to that next level and win that next big game is so important for a program to move forward and take that next step. So which guy is going to be able to take on that role and and also you know not shrinking when that moment comes and and happens. You know I think part of it is is confidence. I think these guys are certainly don't lack any confidence, but it helps that confidence a lot if you're winning these games and getting over that hump. And so far. Um, you know, in, in years past, Wisconsin struggled to do that. So there's only so many times you can take that before it starts to wear on you a little bit that way. So I think it'd be welcome to see them coming out and, and winning some of these big ones for sure. And I think that's a very valid uh, weakness to bring up when you look at you know this team going into the season. 
Yeah, and I think that's the reason when you go back to the schedule, right? Like you've got some room for leeway, but I think if this team goes out and starts 3-0, and wins that game against Penn State and Notre Dame, those are big games. Those are the type of games that can really catapult this team, give them that confidence. Then I think it, you know, the conversation changes for this season. But I do think that those are the type of games that they got to go out and win. And, and, you know, I think the Penn State game, because it's at home, I wouldn't classify it quite in that same category. But that Notre Dame game, that should be circled right now as a game that immediately could shift kind of the conversation in terms of the Badgers aren't able to win the big game. Because that's the same critique that Notre Dame's been having um, for a while as well, is when those big moments happen, it's kind of been a letdown. We'll see if Wisconsin can can take care of um, the Irish and, and really Penn State because Wisconsin hasn't fared well against Penn State in recent years either when they've had the opportunity to play. No, they have not, and hopefully they'll be able to get off to a good start. Is Like I mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's right around the corner. That Penn State game will have us uh, in Camp Randall and fascinated to see what this team can do. And practice is, is really um, nice and close. We'll get to see you know how some of these strengths and weaknesses possibly work out um, into practice and, of course, into the regular season. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll be back later this week, as always, on Wisconsin.